today, I'm going to try to show you the difference between good and best. That's what I'm calling this sermon, good versus best. It's a story of Mary and Martha when Jesus comes to visit their house. And it's a story that's found nowhere else in the Bible. Just Luke 10 is the only accounting of of, um, this story. Last week, there were three of the Gospels that talked about Lazarus' death, but this is the only one that indicates this story. And let's pick that story up at Luke 10, 38. Jesus and his disciples continued on their way to Jerusalem. And they came to a certain village where a woman named Martha welcomed them into their home. Now, we know from the rest of the Bible that this village is Bethany, where Mary, Martha, and Lazarus live. It's their house. And they're close friends of Jesus. We know that because he keeps showing up at their place. And so evidently, they're really great hosts. They're nice to him, and they refresh him, and he just likes being with them. And so Jesus is going to hang out with them again. And there's something that happens where two ladies, these two ladies, Mary and Martha, are responding to Jesus, and, and, and though one is good, Jesus points out another as best. And that's what we're going to talk about today, the difference between good and best. Maybe I could illustrate it this way before we start. My parents live in Missouri. <clears throat> Missouri has a lot of nice people, but it's really flat and, and interesting in that sense is all, that it's flat. And, and um, when my parents tell people that they're from Oregon, my dad has been surprised that people will light up and say, Oregon, I've heard about Oregon. I've heard that the mountains are amazing and there's the ocean there and it's, that, it's one of the most beautiful places in the world. Well, they haven't seen the ocean, some of these people, ever, anywhere. And they haven't seen the beauty of the mountains. They have the Ozarks, but those are hills in Oregon. We wouldn't even call them a mountain, right? I mean, you could hike up one in five minutes and be at the top of their mountain. And, and so my dad would begin to explain to them as they ask about the beauty of Oregon. And here's what I'm trying to say with that. It's good to know about Oregon's beauty, but it's better to have personally experienced it. It's good to know about Jesus But it's way better to personally experience Jesus. And that's what we're going to talk about today. Father, come by the power of your Holy Spirit and reveal your Son, Jesus Christ. Fill our hearts with the truth of your word that we might serve you and be blessed. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Three things that I want to pull out from this story that we can see. And the first is this. You can be busy for Christ, but not blessed. You can be busy for Christ, but not blessed. We see that in this story. Verse 39 of Luke 10. Her sister Mary sat at the Lord's feet, listening to what he taught, but Martha was distracted by the big dinner she was preparing. So it wasn't just a dinner, it was a big dinner. She came to Jesus and said, Lord, doesn't it seem unfair to you that my sister just sits here while I do all the work? Tell her to come and help. Now, let me remind you that there are a lot of people in the room where Mary and Jesus are. And she's airing this family issue here, this distraction, this disturbance, this anxiety she has in front of all of them. Doesn't seem appropriate, does it? Well, let me tell you, in the Jewish culture, to do that publicly was even less appropriate than our culture. Uh, It it was a no-no. But she was working hard and making the big dinner and doing all this stuff. And there in her mind was lazy Mary out there at the feet of Jesus. Now let me bring something to your attention. It's kind of a nice thing that she's trying to fix a good dinner, isn't it? 
I mean, it's good. It's a good thing. Her guest is Jesus Christ. And she's trying to do a really good thing for Jesus. And she's working at it. But what she didn't realize is she was doing something that seemed good, but there was something that was better. That's a thought for all of us here today. We go through life doing the things that seem good, and some of them are good. But here in this passage, we find out about what is best. Martha felt neglected, and she began to complain and say, nobody cares. It was wrong for her to be so preoccupied with work that she ignored her guests and she was rude to her sister. But I tell you, when you get anxious and you start to have the feeling, Jesus, this is so unfair, and that's literally what she said, and you're working so hard that you say something like this to yourself, nobody cares about all the hard work I do. I just want you to know that is dangerous ground That is fertile soil for the enemy to plant his seed when you say nobody cares. So you need to get rid of that thought and take it captive right away. Because the only thing that can follow is a pity party and the only one who shows up is the devil for that pity party to try to remind us that everybody else doesn't appreciate us. We must be careful in those times. If serving Jesus makes us difficult to live with, then something's wrong about our service. Right? I mean, are we doing it for Jesus? Are we doing it to be seen, recognized, noticed? We've got to be careful. Mary, Mary, on the other hand, was occupied with Jesus. Martha, preoccupied with thoughts of self. Martha's so busy that she's not blessed. And she's busy for Jesus' sake, but she's not being blessed. Have you been there? I have be a little vulnerable with you. When we were going through the building program a few years ago, we'd come out of these campaigns and I had a mentality that I probably learned from athletics and it wasn't helpful. A lot of things in athletics translate, you know, to spiritual principles. As a matter of fact, there's a number of them in the New Testament. But some of them can mess you up if you're not careful. And one of the mentalities that I had as we were going through it, it was intense, uh, you, you know, it seemed like every day was important and every little thing uh, could, could cause us to succeed or fail. And I developed this thought. This is the athletic mentality. It was this. Leave it all on the floor or leave it all on the field, which means don't be the reason that you fail or that this project or this mission fails, this vision. Now, that mentality is not bad if it's an hour and a half mentality for a game. But you stretch that out to a three or four year mentality. I don't want to be the reason this fails. I'm going to leave it all out there. I'm going to give 100%. And what happens is you'll overwork and you'll be overburdened and you'll get weary. And that's what happened to me. I'm just, I'm just being honest. I've been to a place where, Mary, where, where Martha was where I'm doing something good but it wasn't the best thing because here's the deal. There were blessings going, around, going on all around me during that season. It was an awesome season, but I was so into working and making sure that I wasn't the reason it didn't go that I missed some of that blessing. And that can happen to all of us in life. I remember when I was on my sabbatical, that three-month sabbatical, and I I know you hear me talk about this a little bit, but it's amazing to me. Three years later, I still have a tailwind from that sabbatical. I mean, the sails are up, and the wind is is in the sails, and it, it just... 
I, I got a new perspective during that sabbatical. I'd been working hard for so long that when I finally settled down, and really the sabbatical was only about two things to me. It was about connecting with God and connecting with my family. That was, that were, those were my main priorities during that season, those, those 100 days that this church gave me. And during that time, about the middle of it, uh, Jesus just started to speak to me about just following him. And, and that had been my mentality, but working with him. And it's just like he was saying, you know, you don't have to make it happen. All you have to do is follow me. You don't have to receive all the pressure because it's not your work, it's my work. And you're just joining me. And as I accepted that, I became refreshed and I came back and I don't think I've had the same mentality since. Now let me tell you that evidently this is not just hard for me to go through a big building program. Did you know that most pastors leave within one year of a major building project in their church? That's what the statistics say. Over 70% leave within a year after a major project in their church. And somehow, someway, it is very intense with all the weight. There's criticism that comes. There's shortfalls. There's victories. There's just so many ups and downs. And, and, for, and you know, I tell my friends who go into building projects now, get ready not to sleep. Because that's just part of it. And it's, a, it's, it's the whole ordeal for a year or two. But all the ones who have made it that are friends of mine and have come to a place of comfort and, and longevity where they're at are friends who just said, look, I'm just on the ride trying to follow Jesus and come in close. That's all I need to do. I don't need to make anything happen. I don't know what it is in your life that might weigh you down, that might cause you to be so busy you're, you're not blessed. But I know this, that Jesus wants you to just come close to him and follow him. Jesus wants to give you rest in this season with whatever it is that you're facing. Matthew eleven twenty eight. Jesus said, come to me all who are weary and carry heavy burdens and I will give you rest. <clears throat> and that's what we see Mary doing. We see Martha not having rest in this passage and becoming agitated. We see Mary coming close and enjoying Jesus in her journey. Jeremiah 6.16 says this, this is what the Lord says, stop at the crossroads and look around. That's slowing down a little bit, isn't it? Ask for the old godly way and walk in it. I didn't say this in the first service, but you know, the, the principles of God are, are, have been in place for thousands of years. So any new thought that we have about a better way, I like, I like to say this, the, the methods are many, the principles are few. The methods can change, but the principles never do. So the principles are the old godly way, and it's part of what we're talking about today, coming close to God, seeking him in prayer and the reading of his word. And Mary was <clears throat> at his feet. Ask for the old godly way and walk in it, travel its paths, and here's what happens, its path rather, you will find rest for your souls. Let's not be so busy for Christ that we miss out on the blessing. Let's not be like Martha who's doing something good. Let's be like Mary who found something that's best, being at the feet of Jesus. Second thought today, doing good things can distract us from the best thing. I'm gonna read verse 40 again. I know I read it, but there's a word in here I wanna pull out and emphasize this time, but Martha was distracted, there it is, by the big dinner she was preparing. 
She came to Jesus and said, Lord, doesn't it seem unfair to you that my sister just sits here while I do all the work? Tell her to help me. And here's Jesus' response. He said to her, my dear Martha. See, he knew she was trying to do something good. He wasn't condemning her. And I think that's his heart towards us. My dear Martha, you are worried and upset over all the details. Martha is trying to do something good, but it is actually a distraction to the priorities. There are a lot of things that can distract us. It may be different for each one of us. Did you know your family can be a distraction when it comes to your relationship with the Lord? You can emphasize taking care of them and being with them and making sure they have the best so much that you never connect with Jesus. You never sit at his feet. That's not good. It's not only that, but it can be our job, right? I talked about job a moment ago. It's my ministry, but it was my job, too. This is my job. But your job can distract you sometimes. If you get so into what you need to do and meeting the quotas and rising up, and pretty soon you're so focused on that, you might have all the reasons to help your family, to give more to God, but you can get so focused on that that you're not with Jesus. It's not good. Even community service, good works, ministry, as I mentioned earlier, can actually choke out God's life in us if we're not careful. Nothing substitutes sitting at the feet of Jesus. There's no great replacement for that. You can't replace the time spent in the presence of Jesus with anything else or things start to deteriorate. One of the key things we see from this passage is taking care of your relationship with Jesus is more important than taking care of others. I want to say that again. Taking care of your relationship with Jesus is more important than taking care of others. Because here's the truth. You won't take care of others well if you don't put Jesus first in your life. You won't take care of them the best way possible if you're not with Jesus. Because when we get with Jesus in his presence, we find wisdom. I mean, we're in the word and the spirit of God speaks to us. I'm gonna tell you something. Because of the word of God, I am a better husband. Because the Holy Spirit speaks to me on a regular basis about improvement. I'm a better dad. I'm not saying I'm an awesome at either one of those, but I'm getting better all the time and it's my desire. And the Spirit of God is helping me. Jesus is helping me because I read the Word. When I sit with Jesus, He speaks to me. The Holy Spirit will convict me about certain things to get right in relationship. The Holy Spirit will give me direction for one of the areas I face with family. That's the right way to approach it instead of the way I might have approached it. Unless we actually spend time in the presence of Jesus. Now look, it's good to pray here when we're here. At corporate prayers in the Word. And it's, it's awesome. It's good to pray in your small groups or to pray with a friend. But the Bible speaks about something that I want to emphasize this morning and that's praying in the secret place. That means that you're praying when nobody else knows. And I think that's when you really show to yourself you're serious about this deal, this relationship with Jesus, because no one else knows and you're going to him because it's just about you and him. It's just about you actually really believe in your heart. You're not meeting a quota now of coming to church or getting on your knees a certain amount of time. You're going to Jesus because you actually believe that in his presence you'll find wisdom and help for everything you face. 
And then everything starts to get better when we get with him. He starts to speak into our heart. He starts to make all those areas that are preoccupied us, he starts to make it easier. Because you kind of get the idea that Martha's fixing such a big dinner and making a big deal that, that Jesus is kind of saying, you know what, you didn't really have to do all that. I mean, that's not what he says in the passage, but you get the idea of it. Look, just any little thing would have been fine. I'd rather be with you. And then, as we're with him, every area of our life gets better. And we see that in Matthew 6, 33. But seek his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Then he starts to help us in all these other areas. When he's our primary focus, we find out that he holds the key to success in each of these areas that we have as concerns. Martha was doing something good, but it wasn't best. Here's the scenario. Evidently in a kind of a living room setting, small group setting, they're all sitting together in a room. And the younger sister, Mary, is right at his feet. Now I just want to point out for just a moment that that was really unusual for a teacher or a rabbi, as they would be considered in that uh, era, that culture, in history, to have a woman at his feet. Did not happen. Because disciples and, and people that you taught were at your feet. So Jesus, you know, things that were wrong, he fixed. And he showed us a different way. And men in the culture were dominant and weren't allowing women to be teachers or to come forward in ministry, or to even receive from the, the, the rabbi. And here we have the greatest teacher of all, Jesus Christ. And he's saying, I like it that Mary's right here at my feet. You know what he's saying by that? He's saying, men and women are equal in my sight. He's saying, women can do great things for, for, for me, just like others. And when I pour into them, the same presence and the same power can come out of them as anybody else in the world. I just think Jesus is so cool the way he fixes things and helps us get it right. And there she is. She's at his feet listening to his every word. Delighting in his teachings. Now in this small group setting, we don't know necessarily, it doesn't feel like it's a setting where he's just doing another teaching because he's kind of pulling away from a public ministry and just resting. But it seems more like there must have been questions for him that they're all asking. That small group setting, that intimate setting, and Jesus is speaking in to their lives and their hearts. And perhaps Mary got a question out. I don't know, it doesn't say that. But perhaps she did. And here's what she thought. Nothing else could be as cool as the opportunity to interact with Jesus Christ. Nothing else could really be, be, be better than this, so I'm gonna focus while I have this time. For us, we have that opportunity every day. I mean, you think of the Old Testament. Mary in the New Testament, even before Jesus ascended and, now, and, and then came to live in everyone's heart where we have personal relationship, the only time Mary would get to see him is when she was with him. <laughs> It's so cool for us now that he's, he died on the cross for our sins and he's risen again and he says he's knocked on the door of our hearts and if we open it, he comes in to sup with us. He can be with us every time we want to sit down and talk to him. And my hope, I think the hope of God is that we would understand how wonderful it is to be in his presence and pull away to that secret place and hang out with Jesus and let him speak into our hearts and lives. We can do that through the word. We can do that through prayer. I like what A.B. Simpson, the founding father of the Christian Missionary Alliance said. The better 
often is the foe that keeps us from the best. Martha was doing a good thing, but distracted and as a result, unhappy. Mary chose the best to listen to him, to sit with him. She longed for his presence. Now, it may sound kind of weird for you to say, you know, hear from him, get in his presence. Um, Because maybe you haven't experienced, you know, what what, what I or others have experienced. I'll tell you this, he's no respecter of persons. Anybody who comes to him will find the blessing of his presence and and his wisdom and his touch in those circumstances. But you have to taste and see. You have, you have to get with him. You have to get at his feet. My daughter Candace turned 18 this year, <clears throat> and she had a birthday party where she invited a bunch of people, and we took them to the coast and rode the Surreys, and just, it was a fun day. But part of, part of her expression and the invitation was, come be a part of this, and watch me eat my very first hamburger. And halfway down there, we stopped in Hillsboro. And Candace, she asked me where the best fast food hamburger was. And I, I said Wendy's. I, I, I like Wendy's. Great commercial for all you Wendy's people. <clears throat> so we're there with her friends and we're taping. And she, she, she had never eaten a hamburger in her life. She's not a vegan. As a matter of fact, meat and sugar are just like me. That's what I like. And I think Candace is right there with me. But for some reason, the whole combination of things in a burger just didn't work for her in her mind. And she never wanted one. Through the years, we'd say to her, it's really good. She goes, oh, it looks gross to me. I, I, don't, I don't want one. But finally, she came to a place where she said, I'm going to try it. So here at her birthday party, on 18 years of, after 18 years of no burgers, she takes a bite. And we've got it on video. She takes this bite taste it, and then she goes, mmm, <laughs> evidently expressing that her taste buds were enjoying this event. And I think I said shortly after, see, I told you. And now she likes burgers. I like burgers too. Burgers and pizza. If I could get away with it, that's all I would eat. I like them. They don't like me, however. <clears throat> I remember... <clears throat> I can't believe this, but I think back uh, to when Karen and I first got married and, you know, then I, I was much more active and come out of sports and I, I could do it. Not only would I order one big burger when we'd go to one of these places, I'd always order two and then other stuff around it and eat it. And now I think, good grief. But obviously, I, I like burgers, but I had, I had, you know, I had to slow down a little bit there. The good news is you don't have to slow down with Jesus. Psalm 34, 8 says this. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Candace tasted and she liked it. Maybe you've never done this before. Gotten away in your prayer closet. Pulled away to just talk to him, to be with him, to commune with him, to read the word. But the Bible says, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who trusts in him. As I was preparing for this sermon, a, an old chorus kept coming to my mind. And it's this song. One thing is needful, O my Father. One thing is needful, O my God, that I sit at your feet and pour out my love. This thing is needful, O my Lord. And so here's Mary. Martha's busy and distracted. But Mary 
drops the cares and concerns of life for this moment to be with God, Jesus Christ. The number one concern of our lives should be coming closer to Jesus. And I wanna say that again. To be Christian means to be Christ-like, right? The number one concern of our lives should be coming closer to Jesus Christ. Because all blessing flows from there. We need answers. He wants to give them to us. James 1.5, if you wanna know what God wants you to do, ask him and he will gladly tell you. That asking God is actually prayer. For he is always ready to give a bountiful supply, not just a supply, but a bountiful supply of wisdom to all who ask him. He will not resent it. I want to read to you the story of a man who got with Jesus and discovered a path that the Lord wanted him on, and he hadn't been thinking about this path. On February 9th, 1958, a young Assemblies of God pastor in a rural town in Pennsylvania was watching the late show on TV while his wife and children were asleep. On that night, he evaluated his life, and he thought about how much time he was spending in front of the TV each night, and he calculated it's probably a couple of hours every night. And he had this thought, what if I sold the TV and spent that time praying? The next morning, He talked to his wife about it and she agreed to sell the TV if, after putting it in the paper, it would sell within 30 minutes of the time the paper hit the streets. His story says that at the 29th minute the phone rang. I don't know if it's the 29th minute when it showed up at their door or how they calculate that, but the 29th minute the phone rang and there's a voice said, how much do you want for that TV? He hadn't even thought about it. He said, $100. They said, I'll be there in 15 minutes, and they took the TV away. And the caller said, thank you very much. On February 25th, a late Tuesday evening near the end of his prayer time, just two weeks and two days after they got rid of the TV, the young pastor was in his study praying and began to feel a great heaviness. He felt an urge to pick up the Life magazine on a table nearby, but he resisted at first because after all, he's praying, and it felt like a distraction. And later, he says that he felt the magazine beckon again. And finally, he said, Lord, is there something you want me to see in that magazine? And he sat down in his brown swivel chair and he opened it up to see. He flipped through the pages and at first nothing there seemed to interest him. And then he noticed an article about a trial taking place 350 miles away in New York City, a place that he had never been. And the eyes of one of the seven figures in the picture in front of him, one of the seven who were on trial for murder, caught his attention. That boy's eyes had a look of hatred and despair. And the young pastor began to cry, and he said aloud to himself, what's the matter with me? He was so moved to tears. And then he looked at the picture more carefully, and he saw that the boys were all teenagers, They were members of a gang called the Dragons. They had brutally attacked and killed a 15-year-old polio victim named Michael Farmer. The seven boys had stabbed Michael in the back seven times with their knives and then beat him over the head with their garrison belts. And the article said that the boys had walked away after killing that young man and were saying to each other, we messed him up good, as if they were proud. And the story disgusted this young pastor. It turned his stomach 
And then a thought came to him. And the thought said, go to New York City and help these boys. In retrospect, he knew that that was God's voice. The following Friday morning, the young pastor, David Wilkerson, was in a courtroom. And the rest of the story is history. He started to reach out to those gang members in New York. He developed a new ministry called Teen Challenge. And it all started because he was at the feet of Jesus. Because he wanted to hear his voice. Because he moved distractions out of the way. Since that first Friday in the courtroom, the ministry of Teen Challenge has risen up to help transform hundreds of thousands of lives. I'm gonna say that again. Hundreds of thousands of lives. Around the world today, right now, every day, there are 24,000 men and women currently in a center being set free by the power of Christ. Those gang members were addicted to drugs. They were slaves to addiction. And following Jesus led David Wilkerson to a ministry that he never would have envisioned for himself in a place that he had never been. There's a needle point in David Wilkerson's office that was made by his daughter, Bonnie, and here's what it says. My dad is famous not for who he is, but because he dared to listen when God wanted to hold a conversation. God wants to hold a conversation with you and with me. See, prayer is not just a one-way thing where we just give our petitions to him. As a matter of fact, if you're not familiar with it, just write this down, Acts, it's an acrostic. Adoration, confession, thanksgiving, and supplication. That's just a good place to start in that secret place of prayer. Start by adoring and praising him. Then confess your sin to make sure your heart is right. Then thank him for all the good things around. Then go into the supplication. And I would just add to this, then listen for a while. (laughs) Just get in his presence and he talks back. My sheep know my voice, the Bible says. And a stranger they will not follow, which is a great indicator that he actually speaks, he whispers, he leads, he guides our hearts as his Holy Spirit works in our lives. I'm gonna say it again in a different way. Nothing is more important than communing rather with Christ and letting him speak to us. Nothing. Because everything in life gets better. Everything around that we're involved with. So as we pull away from the distractions, the very thing that distract us, those things that weigh us down and have us worried, we begin to get wisdom and help even in those areas. And we're better than we ever would have been as a whole. Third thought now, and really, you might be on to me. Every one of these are the same thought spoken three different ways. But we're emphasizing something today of getting with them, good versus best pulling away from the distractions. And so I I just want to say it this way. Working with Jesus is better than working for Jesus. You can work for him and not really be that connected to him. Not what Martha's got going on here. She's working for him. But working with him is that following thing that I was talking about earlier. It's about going on a journey with God. 
That's the beauty of your life. As I think of these young people over here, I'm, I'm so blessed. You know, they're starting to go out as missionaries and they're going to Christian colleges and we're just seeing the youth just rise up. They're gonna be a force around this world. I believe that. We saw today of a ministry that was birthed in Tim and Serena House Heart as we're sitting here and watching and involved in royal family and bam, the Lord does something and they're touching uh, all, almost all the corners of the earth these days with, with that teen reach now. Track. And as we go on a journey and we get with God, just like David Wilkerson, just like Tim Howell, just, just, just like all the people who've ever done anything significant for God, he starts to lead us. Young people, some of you are on a track and it's a good track, but as you commune with Jesus, he'll, he'll just push you over here and take you to the place where everything will be opened up and the greatest joy of your life will happen. Sometimes we have ideas and we have visions and, and so sometimes they're of the Lord and sometimes they're ours. Sometimes our visions are even about doing something good for God. But what's best is to find out what he's created you to do and just agree with it and lean into it. That's working with him when we follow his ideas. And we gotta get close to him to experience it. Luke 10, 42, there's only one thing worth being concerned about. Mary has discovered it and will not be taken from her. And he starts to say, great job to Mary. You understand the importance of coming close to me. What we do with Christ is way important than what we, way more important than what we do for Christ. Mary was affirmed and rewarded for desiring to be with Jesus. Now, there are six Marys in the New Testament, so it might get a little confusing to you. But this is Mary of Bethany. And Mary of Bethany is only seen three times in the New Testament. And the interesting thing about her is she's at the feet of Jesus all three times. Sometimes God just picks out a character and says, I'm gonna emphasize this important principle through their life. And with Mary, it was about getting at the feet of Jesus. So here we find her. While Martha's busy in this passage, and she's at the feet of Jesus, listening to his word. And then there's another time we spoke of it last week. It happens later. This actually happened before that event. But when her brother dies, she comes out to meet Jesus and she takes her sorrow and falls at his feet. It's another good time to get at the feet of Jesus. And then later we find her the third time. She's so blessed by what God has done, what Jesus has done in her life. After all, her brother's been resurrected and she pours out the expensive perfume on the feet of Jesus Christ to prepare him for his burial. This woman is a worshiper. This woman understands being close to Jesus. Here's some rewards for coming close to him in communion. For the, the prayer, the, the reading of the word, for the life that Jesus gives when we seek him. Here's some rewards. Peace of mind. You say, I don't have peace. Here's what Jesus said over and over again. Peace I give you. Don't worry, let me give you my peace. He says it over and over again in the New Testament. Here's another thing that I, I've, I've come to see and believe. We become comfortable and confident in who God created us to be when we get with Jesus. If you're not careful, you'll find through the media, movies, music, television, 
even education sometimes, our work, we, we try to be conformed to the image of what, peop, what we think people want us to be. Carbon copies in some senses. But, but you're uniquely created. There's never been another person like you in the whole universe. And there never will be. And God doesn't make any junk. He made you just right. And when we get with Jesus, we become comfortable in who he's made us to be. And we become confident in who he's made us to be. Confidence that he's with us, that he's gonna work something great and awesome into and through our lives. And then when we get with him, we find his direction, as I was speaking of earlier, that it's easier to find because he's, he wants to lead us and guide us more than, he wants to show us a path more than we wanna know it. And if we'll just seek him, he shows us. And then we find power for ministry when we get with God, when we get at the feet of Jesus. We find strength and resolve to carry through and courage. And then we find power and results beyond our own. You know, I, I pray every week personally, and it's an emphasis in my life. But every week, I pull away and get some significant time to pray about the sermon I'm going to preach. You know why? Because I know I won't have the power I need if I don't. I've worked in my own abilities before. And it really wasn't that impressive. But I found that if, if I can humbly come before the Lord, seek him for the message they would have me give, and then ask for his anointing, that, ask that he would take it beyond my abilities and show himself that that's when he starts to show up. I need his power or I can't stand here. We need his power and his anointing in our lives in every area. And as we get with him, we find results that we'd never have if we had not sought him. When we seek him, we find peace, confidence, power, and amazing results. John 15, 5 says it this way, I am the vine, you are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Zilch. Zero. Goose egg. I want to work with him, not for him. It's possible to work for him and not be very attached to him, connected with him. It's possible to have worked well and done well and have been connected with him and then to come to a place that's a dry season and realize what's the answer in this dry season? It's getting back to the feet of Jesus. It's following the principle we see in this young woman's life of sitting with Jesus. I want to close with this story from Henry Blackaby's book called Experiencing God to illustrate the difference in working with or working for God. Blackaby says, while I pastored Faith Baptist Church in Saskatoon, we began to sense God leading us to an outreach ministry to the local college campus. Our denomination recommended that we begin with a Bible study in the dorms. And he says, for almost two years, we tried to start a Bible study in the dorms, but it did not work. One Sunday, I pulled our students together and said, this week, I want you to go to the campus and watch to see where God is working 
and join him. They stopped what they were doing. Now listen, they were trying to work for God and having no results. And he said, well, what if we try to join him in what he's doing? And, and then he said, let's pray. He shared some scripture. Now let's start to watch. And then when we see, let's work with him. On Wednesday, just a couple days later, one of the girls came back to report, Pastor, you won't believe what happened. At the cafeteria, one of the girls who'd been in my classes came to me and she said, I think you might be a Christian. I need to talk to you. Then the young lady says, I remembered what you said about skipping whatever we had as our agenda, whatever we planned, and joining God when he shows us. She said, I had a class, but this girl wanted to talk, so I just decided I was gonna miss it. We went to the cafeteria. We sat down and talked. And here's what she said. 11 of us girls in the dorm have been studying the Bible and none of us are Christians. Do you know somebody who can lead us in a Bible study? And as a result of that contact, Blackaby says that they started three Bible study groups in the women's dorms and two in the men's. And for almost two years, he said, we tried to do something for God and failed. For three days, we looked to see where God was and work with him and join him And what a difference that made. Over the following years, he says, many students trusted Christ Christ as Savior and Lord because of those Bible studies. Many of those surrendered to full-time ministry and are now serving as pastors and missionaries all over the world. The difference in working for him and working with him. You want to work with him? You got to get with him. You got to sit at his feast. John 10, 27, my sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. Working with Jesus is much better than working for him.